Good morning. Welcome to West. My name is Andrea Smith. I am the pastor here, and we are so glad that you are worshiping us here, both in person and also that you are joining us online. Before I start with the message today, I do want to say a huge and sincere thank you for what you did last Sunday. Uh, we have a partnership with two much smaller United Methodist churches that are African-American here in our community, Faith and St. Paul. We've been working with those two churches for years. We have done, you know, the fun stuff, the Easter egg hunts downtown in the middle of the mission field. We also, uh, right now, have our offices at Faith trying to help them get a little jump start back to their budget as we use some space there. We do Christmas Eve worship together. We've done sunrise together. And then last weekend, when I've, or last week, when I found out that there were going to be protests in downtown Mooresville, our bishop sent an email to all the pastors that said, you know, we need to call our churches to pray. We need to unite together. And as I thought through Sunday and thought through how I would do that with us, you know, that we would pause and take a moment to pray, especially when just two weeks ago, you know, we, we talked about 9-11 and, and coming together as a nation. It just honestly felt really hollow. And one thing that I've always promised that as the pastor here, I would be real and transparent. And so I felt really hypocritical in that moment. I felt like if we were going to sit and, you know, do the fun things with them, where are we when times are difficult? We heard Stan Moore speak to us back this summer about what it is like to grow up as an African-American male in this community, and now he serves as a law enforcement officer. And many of you shared with me that that opened your eyes, that you had never understood or looked at things from the eyes of, of a minority. And we don't like to talk about white privilege, but it really, really does exist. I didn't know that until I was a minority. One of the 2,400 seminaries that I attended trying to get ordained was an African-American college university, and I was the minority there, and it felt very uncomfortable. So last weekend when our bishop said we needed to do something, honestly, to just have a moment at the beginning of the message felt very, very hypocritical and hollow. So I sent an email to the staff and the leadership team who immediately wrote back and said that is the right thing to do. And then last Sunday morning at 9 a.m., St. Paul, we used every chair they had. Uh, so I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. And then at 11 o'clock at Faith, we worshiped again, and many of you came to support that. If you did not agree with the decision, uh, I, I want to tell you thank you for not emailing me because it was probably, I'm serious. I mean, you know, in, in preacher world, oftentimes we get emails that are less than desirable and uh, you didn't. And so I know that we're all on a journey in this thing called life and spirituality. And we're all at different places on that journey. And there is no right or wrong place on that journey as long as we try to live a life of love. So the fact that you did not, you know, blast me with emails telling me that you disagreed and all that kind of stuff, I just wanted to say thank you for that too. And that may feel weird to y'all, but trust me, uh, in preacher world, it, it's a very sincere thank you. You showed them that we care because what you did was you sacrificed. And pretty much that's what following Jesus is all about. You know, the whole cross, death, resurrection thing, 
it's all about sacrifice. And the way that we feel at peace with God is when we are focused less on ourselves and more on love. I wrote my boss because I have a new boss right now, two new bosses actually, and the old regime in our conference and district knew that West was weird, knew that we did weird things like sing Margaritaville as a worship song, and they were used to us. The new boss, new bishop, not so much, so I figured I'd just go on and let them know what we were doing so they'd have a little heads up when we canceled church because sure enough, you know, the word does travel in church world. The new district superintendent wrote me back and said, uh, wow, what a, what a great idea. You know, it sounds really good, blah, blah, blah. The only concern I have is about your budget. You know, what's going to happen to your offering? And it was in that moment that I realized that, West, you really are different. Because you know what? I don't really worry about our offering. Usually I have faith that it's going to work out. And frankly, we have leaders on the strategic and leadership team that worry about those things that are not my spiritual gift. Not one person in leadership at West stopped to worry about those things. And so you know what? The heartbeat of this faith community is one that really is about loving God and following God. So this morning, we come to the end of a message series called Find Your Beach. It's a fun message series. We try to do some fun ones and then some deep ones. We're going to start next week, and we're going to talk for three weeks about evil. Evil exists in our world. We're going to look at what evil is. Is it real? How does it work? We're going to talk about what the devil is. Many of us grew up hearing about Satan or the devil. What, what is that? Who is that? And then the third Sunday in the series, we're going to talk about how good overcomes evil. Last weekend, you showed what that looks like. This morning, we are going to talk about what it means to be all in. Uh, I did not want to preach in the bottom of the swimming pool because, frankly, it's cold. And uh, I know you would like for the sermon to be shorter, but I didn't think that would be a good idea. I want to ask you a question. How many of you, if you will clap, how many of you have ever been scuba diving or snorkeling? Will you clap? Uh, so I'll break that into two now since there's a good bit of you that have done that. How many of you have been scuba diving? I've, I've never had the courage to actually do that and go be submerged and, and all in. I want to show you a picture on the screen of what it looks like when you go scuba diving. You see the beauty of the creation that is held deep within our oceans. You know, we, we know so very little, comparatively speaking, about our oceans compared to outer space. It's beautiful. And there's, there's so much that is yet to be seen. This whole sermon's message series about find your beach, that's what it's about. That's the bottom line, is that there is so much more to life than we see. 
And the way that we find those things in life is when we, we start out by looking, you know, on the shore of the beach and checking out what other people are doing for fun. And, and then we take some steps onto the beach and then we get our feet wet. And then eventually, you know, if you want to see the full beauty of the ocean, you have to go all in. Just like the same is true with life and life in Christ. If you want to see the beauty of life change, we have to be all in. One year, many, many years ago, when our kids were very small, we decided that for vacation, we were going to go on a cruise. And we did one of their excursions. And it was swimming with the stingrays. That was the uh, outing that we were going to do. So we have on our little life jackets and we're sitting on the side of the boat. There's lots of other people there. And, you know, I keep looking around in the water waiting to see the fish that we were going to be swimming with, the stingrays. And we get to this this place and they drop anchor. It was in the Cayman Islands, so beautiful, beautiful, clear water. And they drop anchor and we're sitting there. And Scott and both kids, I think Lane was in kindergarten and Andrew was in in second grade, so they were young. They were pumped about this. I was a little hesitant. I do not like swimming with live things swimming around me, and so I felt much safer in the boat. But uh, they were all in, so I figured I needed to be, look like one of those cool moms, you know, that could do the adventuresome things. We're sitting there, we sit, we drop anchor, and nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, we paid a good bit of money to swim with the stingrays. Where are the stingrays? And then all of a sudden, the the captain of the boat starts throwing fish food. I, I meat. I don't know what stingrays eat, but out in the ocean. And all of a sudden, here came hundreds. It was like this swarm. And they were like, go, go, get in the water, get in the water. You can swim with the stingrays. And, you know, they, they were coming in mass. And I was frightened. How many times do we miss out on some really cool experiences in life and with God and in growing in our faith because we're frightened this morning? And one thing that I've been convicted about lately is our reading scripture, whether it's on our own or together. If you have your smartphones, I invite you to open up BibleGateway.com or a Bible app if you have it. We're going to look at using our phones and our Bibles more intentionally as we move forward. But this morning, the scripture that we're going to look at is Exodus 3. We are going to talk about a guy that had some potential made a few mistakes along the way. He's a a biblical figure that perhaps you've heard of before. His name is Moses. And you may know Moses' story and think you know all of Moses' story. And if you do, I ask that you just hang with us for just a second. We're going to look at this man, Moses, and then how, you know, he thought he was at a certain place in life, and then he encountered God And so finally, he takes, you know, some steps forward and gets engaged deeper with God and then everything changes. And I believe if if Moses can do that, then so can you and I, and it will change who we are. Take a listen to these words of scripture from Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, 
I'll go over there and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, then God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, Moses, I want you to go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, much like you and I do, I think, who am I that I should go? Who am I should, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. So Moses, we look at him and, you know, scripture's several thousand years old now. So if you've heard this story, you know of him as the man. And we think, wow, okay, we know the rest of the story. So Moses follows God. You know, they have a little debate there at the beginning. And the debate actually goes on. Moses points out all his inadequacies. He stutters. He has a speech impediment. Who with a speech impediment can go and speak articulately to a king that is oppressing the people and then convince the king to lead, to leave, let the people be free and then him lead them out of their captivity. Uh, he also was a convict. That is something that, you know, we don't necessarily find in this part of the story. But if you go back in Exodus, you can read that Moses, when he first came to live and abide in Pharaoh's house, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter because Pharaoh had issued an edict to kill all the Israelite baby boys. And so Moses' mother put him, Moses' mother and sister, put him in the river the river Nile, and he floated down the river and Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, this, this baby in the reeds, finds him, brings him into her home, raises him as her own. So Moses actually grew up as an Egyptian. And then as he's living and hanging out in Pharaoh's courts, he gets in an altercation with another Egyptian. He gets angry. He draws out his sword and he cuts the Egyptian man's ear off. So then, because that's a crime punishable by death, he flees Egypt and goes out to Midian where he meets this farmer and he finally gets a job with this farmer to be a shepherd. So Moses has gone from being here, you know, the highest of the high, to being a shepherd, which is the lowest of the low professions. And he ends up marrying Jethro's daughter, which is the first interracial marriage that you will find in Scripture. 
He marries Jethro's daughter, and then he just exists as a shepherd. One day, he's out in the land, and he's tending to the flocks, and he notices that there's, there's a burning bush over there. And you know what? Truthfully, they were in the desert, so that may not have been that uncommon of, of tumbleweed that's on fire. But what he notices is that this bush is not consumed. So he sees that something different is going on beyond where he is at the current moment. And that's a really important thing for us to stop and take pause on this morning. He sees that something is different. He doesn't know if it's good. Actually, a burning bush, that probably does not look good to him. It it probably is something that could be termed as bad. But the bottom line is, good or bad, it's different than what he's used to. And so he notices it for a little while, and then he decides that he is going to go over and check it out. Now, an interesting part in this passage of Scripture, whether you've heard the Moses story all your life or whether today's the first time that you're hearing it, Moses goes over to check out this burning bush, and it's then that he hears from God. He has to move first before he hears God call his name. How many times in our lives do we miss the call of God because we won't move and go check out something that is different because we're afraid? God speaks to Moses when, when he goes over and he calls him by name and he, he tells him, you know, hey, I'm, I'm God, I'm Yahweh, the one God. And God establishes who God is for Moses in a way that Moses would understand. He says, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember, in this time, people were going from being polytheistic, where they worshiped many, many, many gods, to worshiping one God, one true God, a, a God that was vast and, and mighty and powerful so much so that they didn't even say God's name. And in the ancient Hebrew writings, they didn't use a word to describe God until they came up with the word Yahweh. But they would not utter his name. So God speaks to Moses and reveals God's self to Moses in the moment. How is God speaking to you today? Where are you in your journey? Where am I in my journey that God is is speaking and nudging and pulling? Because if we want to hear God, it takes action on our part. And that's why this message series, Find Your Beach, ends with, you know, being all in, being submerged in water. Because we really do have to move from being on the shoreline to taking some steps down to the beach and then going in the water and risking it. It's a scary thing to do. Finally, on that boat that we went out on to swim with the stingrays, finally I worked up my courage and got in and swam It was so fun. And we have this beautiful family picture that they took, you know, and they probably charged way too much money for, with all the Smiths standing there and and we're holding this this stingray. I look at that picture and it 
evokes memories in my mind, right, of fun family times that we had together. I would have missed out on that had I not gotten the courage to get out of the boat. You know, that, that metaphor of getting out of the boat and, and following Jesus, it's present all throughout Scripture following God in the Old Testament, and then God revealed God's self to us through Jesus in the new. Jesus' command was to follow me. He didn't say just a little. It was to be all in and to follow him. And it's in following him that we finally see and encounter God. N.T. Wright uh, modern-day theologian, says that when the Spirit enters into us, when the Spirit of God enters into us, we become God's temple, God's new temple. And it is then both individually and corporately, and that means us together, it is then that heaven and earth meet. And that's what it's all about, is heaven and earth meeting in and among us so that then the world is is different. So Moses, he takes some steps. He goes over to check out this bush and God reveals God's self to Moses. And then the rest of the story, it's beautiful. It's beautiful not because it's easy and it's beautiful not because it all works out okay in the end. It's beautiful because we see a picture of a human being wrestling with the divine. There are times that Moses wants to quit. There are times that Moses goes to God and says, you know, just kill me now. Just go on. I don't want to do this anymore. Just go on and take me. Find somebody else because I'm not, I'm not the one. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you are not equipped, you're not called, you're not gifted, and you're not the one? I think we all do. Sometimes we don't like to admit it in our humanity, but the truth is, at the end of the day, we all wrestle with those things. And sometimes we let our fear paralyze us to keep us from following and being all in with God. I stopped the scripture this morning with the sentence that God says to Moses that I think is the same sentence that God says to you and to me. And it's, I will be with you. God does not promise easy And God does not promise that there aren't going to be huge hurdles that sometimes we feel like are so much bigger than we are. We can't even begin to overcome them. God simply says, I'm with you. And that same God that promised that to Moses so many thousands of years ago is the same God that promises it to you and to me. So where are you wrestling with hearing God today? We all do it. A few weeks ago, we had the West birthday. 
It was on 9-11. It was the day we kicked off the message series. And I had agreed to go to Candler Seminary after the birthday and speak to a class of New Church Start pastors. Now, every Sunday I have in my mind what I hope is accomplished on a Sunday morning. And sadly, sometimes that's tied more to statistics than it is tied to the spirit moving. I was convicted by that on this particular day because you see on the birthday you know I had a, a certain bar of what I wanted our attendance to be I thought about how many people I wanted to stay afterwards you know and do the inflatables and eat at the food truck and all this kind of stuff and and it was a great day of worship and everyone that was here seemed to have fun it was unbearably hot so some folks didn't stay and and I found myself disappointed and wrestling with that at the end and frankly questioning my effectiveness now, that's not probably something that gives you a lot of self-confidence or confidence in your pastor, but, but I do that. You know, you wrestle with, are you where you need to be? Are you where God calls you to be? I do the exact same things. Rarely on a Sunday do I go home and go, yes, I have arrived. I am the one, and they are so lucky. Well, I never think this. You are so lucky to have me. So on this particular day, I drove to Atlanta on the phone with my mentor, Amy Coles, you know, lamenting, sort of like Moses. I don't think I've got what it takes to grow a church. I don't know how to compete with the 2,000 things we have going on in our lives right now. I don't know what to do with A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And Amy just sat there very quietly and listened to me lament for at least an hour and a half, I think, on the drive. Finally, she said, Andrea, can you tell me anything good? Is there anything good that came out of worship today? And I said, well, yeah, there were some good things. And, da, 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 da. and I said, oh, yeah. There was a, a relatively new family that was there today, and they stayed behind and helped us tear down all the swimming pools and clean up. And right as we were leaving, the mom asked me if I would baptize her children. And she said, did you just hear yourself? I said, well, yeah, I did. The next day, I'm supposed to sit in this classroom for three hours and talk to future church planters. And, you know, going into that, I still felt inadequate, incompetent. But I remembered what was the most important, and it was not uh, me. Shocker. It was about being connected with God. And so that morning before I left the hotel, I just prayed and I held my hands open and I said, all right, God, you know what? I don't know what is going on in my head right now, but I need you, not me. And for the next three hours, I got to tell these folks this beautiful story of West, of you, and then I come back and two weeks later, you are ready and willing to cancel church and not fuss about statistics and numbers and offering because you were willing to go stand aside our partners who feel oppressed in our world, whether we understand it or will admit it or not, they do. You were willing to forego everything that mattered that Sunday to go be Jesus. So this morning as I prepped for worship, and prayed to God. 
to use me to use my words. I was convicted to tell you that, you know what? There are times, probably more frequent than not, that I'm asking the same questions that you are. God, where are you? God, are you using me? Are you using this? Is there something I am missing? Because right now I feel, I feel like I'm missing the boat. And it's in that moment that I hear, see the own burning bush. And it's like, well, if you'd get over your fear of being popular, being liked, and just follow me. Got your back. I have. I will. But you have to be willing to go. If God's saying that to me, God is also saying that to you. In two weeks, 12 of us will go to Nebi, Uganda. And we will stand alongside Pastor Jeffrey and the children that you sponsor as a faith community. And many of you sponsor individually uh, as, you know, like adoptive parents. And you send $50 a month so that... They can go to school and have food and have a roof over their head. And you know what? Six years ago, none of that existed. And it took some bold courage to be willing to go and to do. When you see the Uganda promotion video, you hear that there's a women's conference. That, when I hear that announcement, honestly, it makes me laugh a little because I know zero about going and speaking to 80 Ugandan women about theology. Number one, one of the tenets that they adhere to in scripture is that women are absolutely 100% submissive to men. I have a little bit of a difficult time relating to that. So our whole context is different. But this is something that Pastor Jeffrey has asked for. He said they're hungry for God and they're hungry for theology. So guess what? In a few weeks, we get to go and we get to put ourselves out there. If I had shown you the bottom of my beautiful feet prior to my being in the water, and that's funny. You can laugh at that part because uh, they're not beautiful. They would have been all nice and, and smooth and not wrinkly. Do you know what happens after you stay in the water for a prolonged period of time? Do you know what happens to your skin? It gets all wrinkly, right? That's a sign that something has changed with our skin. This morning, And in the days and the weeks and the months ahead, I invite us, not just you, me too, to find something that changes when we're willing to take a few steps and put ourselves in a situation that we're not comfortable with, but we feel like it might be where we can go so that we hear God call us by name. It requires courage And it requires being uncomfortable. But if we'll do it, and if we'll put ourselves all in, I promise we will be forever changed. Let us pray. 
Gracious God, I ask that you speak to each of us here today and show us how it is that you can and will call us when we're willing to take that step so that we can see and we can hear. You speak to each of us individually and you speak to us corporately as your body here on this earth. Thank you for being a God who loves us. Thank you for being a God who calls us. And thank you for being a God who shows us how much you love us when you call us by name. It's in Christ's name we offer our prayers. Amen.